BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, hello, guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with celebrity naturopathic doctor and skin guru, Dr. Nigma Talib. If you haven't listened, you should because she was full of really good gemmy skincare tips, which I love, and I think you guys would absolutely love it too. But if you did miss it, I wanted to tell you guys that I'm giving away a goodie bag to everyone who subscribes to and reviews this podcast, literally everyone. Just send me a screenshot to my email, sifat.h91 at gmail.com and check the mail in about a week. Anyway, with that, let's dive into today's interview. Eve Kalinick is a nutritional therapist and author of the book, Be Good to Your Gut. I've personally read the book and can tell you firsthand that it's as informative as it is beautiful. It's full of great recipes and a ton of amazing information about gut health. As a former PR girl, Eve is all about educating her clients about implementing eating habits that suit their fast-paced lifestyle. I found Eve when I was looking for a nutritionist in London, and her, na- and her name kept popping up. I love that she focuses on educating people about sustainable eating habits as opposed to fad diets, and she is so well-versed in hormones, guys. Seriously, if you have any hormonal issues, go see her in London. When she's not seeing clients or creating delicious recipes, you can find her teaching workshops and masterclasses in conjunction with The Guardian newspaper. Basically, Eve is that healthy yet balanced friend whose house you always want to go to for dinner. With that, let's welcome Eve Kalinick. So Eve, introduce yourself. Okay, so um, yeah, my name's Eve Kalinick. I'm a nutritional therapist, uh, which means using foods and natural supplements to help bring the body into homeostasis or balance um just to give a kind of brief definition of that because not everybody's familiar with what nutritional therapy is yeah um i'm also a writer and an author um published my first book be good to your gut last september so almost a year ago now it's flown by um and i also write a column for psychology's magazine and run some sort of workshops and master classes with the guardian newspaper so wow you have a lot going on it's pretty busy (laughs) um yeah i've just actually moved my my practice practice space into Mm -hmm. a new sort of um health club in notting hill which is very exciting it's sort of a 360 holistic health club um geared towards sort of family and 
and kids and sort of educating kids because I think that's a really important part. Oh, it's so important. I feel like even in schools and stuff, like there needs to be better nutrition and Mm. parents need to be more aware of what they should be putting in their kids' bodies because those are the kind of habits that, you know, like make us who we are when we're older so true and I'm also a big believer of a three sort of 360 approach to health and well-being being Mm -hmm. like it's not just about your nutrition it's also about the way you kind of manage your stress and and having time for play Mm -hmm. I think that's a very underestimated pillar of wellness and the space that I'm going into they've actually dedicated a whole area to kids for that for their sort of play time that the adults can sit in and watch their children without sort of oh, worrying. So it's a really, it's a, it's, it's a lovely concept. And, and for me, you know, I am seeing a lot more what, what I call mini clients, mm-hmm. to be politically correct, yeah. um, in my practice um, with gut-related issues a lot of the time. Um, and I do think that actually when you're supporting an individual in a family, it's, it's better to just try and support the entire family because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're all doing it together, then it's becoming much more of a, a lifestyle change for the longer term and not just something faddy. Yeah. Um, because I'm not really, well, I'm, I'm a big believer in not, sort of subscribing to diets and detoxes and that type of thing so you know I do think it's all about trying to support the whole family really Mm -hmm. so yeah so touching on fads um obviously you're not a fan you're not a fan of like fatty diets but how do you feel about like I guess like more trendy ways of eating nowadays like the whole 30 and keto paleo like I don't know how do you feel about those I mean, listen, you know, there'll always be kind of trends in wellness and nutrition. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is that things haven't really changed when it comes down to the science mm-hmm. and, you know, research that, that sort of supports all of that. Now, that being said, you know, I do know that people do better on certain diets. Mm-hmm. Um, again, why really, you know, I guess we've got to think about nutrition as entirely prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Also, it's, you know, in context of that person's lifestyle. So sometimes something like a keto diet or a paleo diet might work for one person, but mm-hmm. realistically, it's not going to work for somebody else. So, you know, in my mind, I think it's entirely down to the individual rather than following diets per se because you know in any diet whether or not you say it's healthy or not and you know different people have different opinions Mm -hmm. if you're cutting foods out the chances are if it's a weight loss thing you're probably going to lose weight just by virtue of the fact you've cut something out so um I I think I think we've got to be a little bit more intelligent about how we approach those things and and also be you know, intuitive as to what's happening with us as an individual because, mm-hmm. you know, there are genetics to consider, there may be pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I just sort of try and move away from labelling things as such. So, say, for example, someone comes to see you, what does that process look like? So, initially, they'll come in. I do send some forms out in advance. Mm-hmm. So, I've got a little bit of background information as to mm-hmm. why the client's coming to me, what their aims and ambitions are. Mm-hmm. Um and then it'll be an initial consultation that's around an hour where we will discuss their history, um, you know, medical history, you know, lifestyle, um, what they're currently eating. So I get them to fill in a food diary for me Mm -hmm. so I can sort of see things that they're currently eating. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and within that hour, I can sort of glean some more information as to where I think that there might be sort of areas, um, whether it's nutrition, where they may need to sort of increase certain nutrients they might be slightly lacking in, um, whether that's macronutrients like proteins or fats or carbohydrates Mm -hmm. or whatever, or combination, um, or even micronutrients that they might be sort of lower in um, that might be contributing to some of their symptoms. So, you know, I might often see clients that are not 
potentially not getting enough iron in their diet mm-hmm. and then That's they might me. be feeling tired yeah so um you know within all of that as well I mean I I I'm a what's called a functional um nutritional therapist so Mm -hmm. I use things like functional testing in my practice so that could be things like stool analysis Mm -hmm. um it could be hormone testing um Mm -hmm. whether that's blood or saliva just to get a bit more of a I guess some more measurements um to base a program on because actually I think that you can waste a lot of time and money um following sort of certain protocols when Mm -hmm. actually you know doing some sort of testing can get you to the end result a bit quicker um and certainly I found a lot of benefits from that in my practice in terms of helping to support clients so so it's definitely not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing oh 100% not no I wouldn't say that I've ever written the same program for anyone um, you know the basics of nutrition are actually pretty simple mm-hmm. but it's just helping that person to find their you know their own equilibrium as it works they may have just been shifted off kilt and that could be a combination of potentially some hormone imbalances mm-hmm. potentially some gut imbalances combination of the two helping to manage stress you know maybe they have with all of the plethora of information out there because let's be honest there is so much out there on mm-hmm. nutrition that they've got so confused that they potentially have you know cut out so much many food groups in their diet that then they're now sort of deficient in totally um certain nutrients so i think it's about edu- helping them to be educated around that and also you know to kind of move away from this you know uh quite extreme views of things you know i see a lot of people that have cheat days in inverted mm-hmm. commas or you know they say oh you know I just go off the wagon whereas actually I think you know an important part of being healthy and well and eating well is to have the indulgences with that and not to feel guilty I have a real problem with things like labeled guilt-free brownies because there shouldn't be any guilt around yeah, eating yeah. a brownie so you know obviously if you're not if that's all you're eating then that's yeah, a problem yeah it's but just you know finding that balance yeah and it's so boring the word moderation I think but yeah, um definitely I also think that by helping somebody to understand a little bit more about you know how to approach it from a mindset perspective certainly mm-hmm. in a healthier way can help with that so say for example someone is a complete beginner okay like they don't know anything about nutrition and um they're looking to clean up their diet what are like three general tips that you'd give to someone just to help them clean up their diet I I mean god that's such a hard question um because I don't like the word clean up either um again um I don't know I mean honestly from a basic perspective Mm -hmm. before you even get into like what you're eating it's Mm -hmm. the way you're eating it so I would say uh for for the somebody say that's typically grabbing food on the go Mm -hmm. not really bothered about cooking very much which Mm -hmm. could be a quite a lot of people to be honest with you in London because everybody's busy it might be something just as simple as you know put your food if you're buying even like a ready meal yeah you know just try and start with putting it on a plate and eating it with some intent and chewing and you know digesting Mm -hmm. from a more sort of mechanical perspective yeah I mean that's a the first step of starting to engage with your food in some capacity Mm -hmm. we even get into that um you know at the same time sort of trying to be off the devices when you are uh eating so you're not distracted so I mean these are things that are not even related to the foods themselves Mm -hmm. really um you know and then giving yourself adequate breaks between your meals so Mm -hmm. a lot of us get into this we must snack we must be eating every two or three hours I mean again it's very dependent on the individual but a lot of the time we do tend to sort of just graze mindlessly yeah 
So I think before you even get into the food, you've got to actually help somebody approach their plate mm-hmm. in a different way. And naturally what evolves out of that is then the, oh, okay, I'm now really starting to taste my food. I'm now really starting to look at what I've put on my plate. And then you can start the conversation into, okay, let's maybe try and get a bit more color on your plate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I would probably start with a beginner like that because I think you can really people can get really scared and stressed about nutrition, yeah, um, and think that they've got to sort of you know never eat a chocolate bar again and they've got to go and buy all these expensive foods and mm-hmm. you know and I think actually when it comes to it it's, there's really some basics that you can just start with there. Okay, so um, you were talking about giving your body enough time to kind of. Um, like relax between meals and like give your digestive system a break so that brings me to um a point which like I feel like it's it's been pretty hot lately and there's been a lot of research and a lot of people have been speaking about it intermittent fasting Mm. um how do you feel about it I just I I really don't want to sound like I'm sitting on the fence with all these questions but Mm -hmm. again I really think that's case by case so yeah entirely um you know I actually did it myself just yeah. to, ex- so, cause I think you've also got to see personally how you feel on these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it was the right thing for me. Yeah. Um, mostly cause I just love breakfast anyway. And that's the easiest <laughs> one to give yeah. up. So most people obviously for those listeners that are not really sure about intermittent fasting, it tends to be that 16 hour fast and then mm-hmm. eating within an eight hour window, typically 12 till 8 PM. That's what most people that are advocating that practice do. I do think that men are potentially hormonally geared up to deal with it better than women. We, we have got a much more sensitive endocrine hormonal system. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, if we then add in the fact that we are, a lot of people are quite stressed. Mm-hmm. So their adrenaline hormones are already sort of, um, let's say, hy- hyper uh, active in a way. Mm-hmm. Then intermittent fasting, I'm not sure it's necessarily the best thing for that person. Um, but you know that being said you know some people don't necessarily feel that they have an appetite I also think you need to listen to your body yeah um and you know we all intuitively know you know how we feel and although you can get guidance and I would you know obviously that's what I do day to day but Mm -hmm. you know some people don't really have an appetite in the morning for breakfast I wouldn't say force yourself to eat breakfast if you don't really have an appetite for it so it might be that that could be a better pattern for somebody um you know it also depends on their lifestyle Mm -hmm. um you know if you've got a family it might not be the best thing Mm -hmm. on the other side if you are um, a busy working person it might be something that actually fits better with your routine as to the kind of you know reported health benefits i'm still a bit skeptical about that Mm. um because there's not enough research out there to necessarily say 100% that some of these claims are being that are being made are, um, you know, totally legit. So I don't know. Again, I think it's just about case by case, you know. Got it. Yeah. Um, so bringing us back to snacking. So you're like, do you recommend people do snack? And if they do, say, for example, you know, uh, one day I've maybe not eaten a big enough breakfast and I'm really hungry. Um, what are, do you have a few favorite snacks? Like, what would you recommend? Or like very like something nutritious, so mm. you know you don't kind of go and snack on cookies. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. The people, the reason why people snack is that potentially they haven't eaten enough in their main meals, mm-hmm. um, or they're you know 
the balance of say you know proteins and fats and carbs are not necessarily there in the right amount so they might then just be you know hungry because they haven't necessarily eaten enough in those meals so I would before getting into the snacking would address why people need to snack in the first place Mm -hmm. if it's poor planning I'd help them to plan their meals a bit better Um, if it's lack of certain nutrients in each of those meals I might suggest that they increase those Um, I'm not saying don't ever snack at Mm -hmm. all Um, and I definitely think that sometimes you know if again like you said if you're maybe you haven't for whatever reason had enough of a a, you know breakfast or whatever and you feel like you need a snack but Mm -hmm. It is important to to have those rest breaks for, you know, a couple of reasons, really. Um, You know, from a gut to microbiome point perspective, there's different microbes that come in and help us absorb nutrients and different ones that sort of do the cleanup op, Mm -hmm. as it were. So coming back to the sort of fasting overnight, I'm, you know, I do try and get my clients to fast for 12 hours Mm -hmm. from from supper till breakfast for that reason because it's there's studies to, to suggest that that can help with the with the functioning of the gut and the gut microbiome which is the trillions of uh, microorganisms that that live in the gut um the other thing is that you know when we're fasting there's different hormones that come into play when we are eating a meal and then the ones that when we're fasting that help to sort of break down fats and help with you know m- weight management and that type of thing so you know Again, it's not about, it's, you've got to think about the calories across the day as well. And sometimes they're just extra calories that are not necessarily needed. So again, I know it's boring, but it is a bit about the individual and then helping mm-hmm. them to manage that around their lifestyle because their lifestyle might dictate about the timings that they're going to eat as well. But I think there are reasons why it's not always a good idea to just be that constant grazing and snacking. Mm-hmm. Got it. And tell me about your diet because your skin looks amazing and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with what you put into your body. So what's like a typical um, day? Like walk me through a typical day where, what, what do you eat? Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. People always say, ask you what you eat. To be honest, I'm actually, I'm not going to take full credit for my nutrition because my mother's got amazing skin. So definitely there's a genetic <laughs> component on that. Um but you know it does vary to be honest with you I mean mm-hmm. I'm I'm always trying to get clients to try and vary their diet as much as possible which I I understand isn't always possible when mm-hmm. you're busy and you've got family but just a little bit of meal meal planning can sort of help with that I feel like um, it just makes it more interesting too like there have been times where I've like meal plan and it's been all the same thing and mm-hmm. it's just hard to actually want to eat it when you've been eating it for like five days straight like it's there's like no fun in it anymore no exactly so yeah I do so I have a bit of variety and you know again I do I'm a big fan of not wasting food either mm-hmm. so helping them to so if they you know for me it might be I might have some sourdough with some mm-hmm. um, poached eggs one day and you know I get the sourdough loaf ready sliced and put it in the freezer so Mm -hmm. you're not wasting any of the bread and things like that because what can happen is that you know with that variety is that people Mm -hmm. buy lots of food and then they end up chucking half of it away so you know it's a little bit of planning around that so yeah that's quite I quite like a bit of eggs on sourdough that's quite you know overnight oats I I tend to sort of enjoy quite a lot as well Mm -hmm. um what other things might I have for breakfast waffles I'm getting into I bought a waffle maker recently Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) playing around with making some waffles um so yeah it can just yeah it's be quite a variety um lunch I tend to have lunch as my biggest meal of the day in the week mm-hmm. that doesn't usually happen on the weekends because I may be out with yeah. friends 
um and that can be gosh so many different things um it could be sweet potatoes with halloumi uh, there's um a really quick nice e- recipe in, in the book mm-hmm. that's a halloumi salad with a tahini dressing i always find that quite satisfying yeah um and qu- particularly when it gets into winter when all those um root vegetables are coming into season yeah, as well the best so yeah that's that's quite a nice favorite of mine mm-hmm. um it might be something like in the in the summer months i might i qu- quite like sort of quite simple sort of chicken mm-hmm. breast with maybe some sort of you know char grilled broccoli and some chili and some olive oil or something like that yeah um quinoa salads quite oh, often have delicious. those yeah um again that's a good thing to prep a batch of it with lots of roasted veggies and freeze a bit mm-hmm. of it you know for me because i live on my own i can put like a third of it in the freezer and then get that out and then top it up with some other things like mm-hmm. it might be some boiled eggs or it might be some wild salmon or something like that and, yeah and into the evening i t- yeah i t- do tend to have sort of a, a smaller portion of say that or um you know into the winter it might be some some soups mm-hmm. um with uh, i don't know what kind of soups like there's a broccoli and artichoke one that i make that i really like um with it could be sourdough if I haven't had that in the morning or one of the breads that's in my book as well there's a super seed bread that I really like with that and I usually put a hunk of butter on that because I love butter for many reasons it's so good yeah so yeah kind of a riff around all of that so tell me about your book what made you decide to write it where can people find it what is like if you had to pick one favorite recipe what would it be (gasps) That's like asking your favorite, <laughs> favorite child. child yeah. I, know. I don't know. There's lots of different, there's for different reasons there are recipes in, but I, I really do like, there's a sh- uh, shiitake and leek seaweed type of broth, which sounds horrific, but once you've made oh, honestly, it. Honestly, anything with mushrooms, like I'm on board. I love shiitake mushrooms. They're so tasty. They are, but they're also very divisive. People either love or hate yeah. mushrooms, you know? <laughs> so I do I do really like that because I just feel like that's just so nourishing on many levels. But I'm pretty proud of the ice creams in there because, um, yes, because uh, they're based on sort of coconut milk, so they're vegan. They don't have any added sugar in them. And that sounds amazing. Yeah, they've been tried and tested on kids, which is always the best way to test an ice they're cream. They're super, they're brutally honest. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, yeah, I, it kind of, again, it's, it's sort of, I mean, the, the, the sweet potato and uh, halloumi salad is, is a, a nice, really quick, easy one. So mm-hmm. for families and, you know, it's just a nice, easy one for mums to whip up. Because um, I'm, you know, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm not no trained chef. I'm, I'm a cook, self-taught mm-hmm. cook. So I just cook things that I enjoy eating that don't take ages um, and taste good. Yeah. And they just happen to be good for digestion and that type of thing. So... Yeah, the reason for writing the book was kind mm. of that in a way, in that not everybody has, you know, either the financial means or the time to mm-hmm. go and see, you know, a professional one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I really wanted to do was kind of help people to navigate the area of gut health a bit more, because there's a lot, there's so much information out there about gut health. Yeah. And I think people can get quite easily bamboozled and find themselves down this, like, you know, path of going getting so far into ferments or fermented Mm -hmm. vegetables or whatever kombucha and really not really 
understand the basics of gut health yeah. and some of it's really simple to be honest with you um so i kind of wanted to also explain to people what the gut is because a lot of people don't even actually know what that yeah, is i mean so. you just kind of like run away with the trends if you don't understand the basics like you hear about like kombucha which is super cool and then you're just having kombucha not really knowing like what your gut even is like yeah. what you need so it's really cool that you're doing that yeah so well thank you um so yeah, it was, I sort of see it as it was almost translating the information and giving people information about gut health and then translating it onto the plate. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, or there's quite a few now, gut health books out there, which are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, perhaps, I don't know if you're putting notes on the podcast, but there's a couple oh, of I books that I definitely yeah. recommend where that's concerned. Um, they're not necessarily then... Uh, translating that into food yeah but you do have a lot of say healthy cookbooks out there which are brilliant but Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going well what's this dish going to do for me yeah so in the recipes in the book I've sort of tried to group them into chapters but to be honest they could transcend most of the chapters in there um with a little introduction on what's in the recipe that is going to be specifically good for your gut health so people have got a bit more understanding about why they're eating food what that's going to potentially help them with in terms of their gut health um so it's not information and recipes that the recipes are actually dotted throughout the book so they they come at the end of each chapter which and this is going to sound quite not selfish but I know that when I'm reading a book I like to know when I'm going to get some pictures like oh, absolutely. rather than yeah. you sort of like <laughs> skip to the back mm-hmm. um look at all the pictures if it's a recipe book or whatever so I kind of wanted to pepper it through like that so it kind of ke- keeps the reader's attention and you know I've tried to write it in a way that's slightly tongue-in-cheek because mm-hmm. also I think we can get all too serious about this stuff as well and yeah. um not that it's not a serious topic but mm-hmm. I think you know at the end of the day you know we talk about belly laughing and the gut likes a good chuckle, I think, as well. So, yeah. um, you know, you want to keep it lighthearted as, and too. And, you know, I, I hope that sort of comes through in, in the text in the book. So, yeah, um, it's out now on Amazon and in places like Waterstones and oh, that's um, amazing. Foils. I've got it as well. But, yeah, so, yeah, it's an exciting time. I'm starting the process just at the beginning of, of thinking about the second book. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, so, super exciting. Yeah. But it, I know what it took last time. I think ignorance is bliss when you write a book yeah. the first time. <laughs> and then you realize that's what I keep much hearing. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. Um, but I, I really want to get my hands on it so I can try this ice cream recipe because it sounds like a really healthy substitute for anyone who has like a like a serious sweet tooth, you know, like no refined sugar. That's great. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I did it because... Um, I, I'm not a vegan, but mm-hmm. I do love a lot of vegan food. And yeah. I think that um, if you look at something insane, like a 500% increase in vegans or veganism or people t- turning towards mm-hmm. plant-based food yeah. um, in the UK in the last, say, you know, few years. So, uh, you know, obviously the, the people are wanting to, uh, you know, bring more plants into their diet, which I'm a big advocate of. And sometimes they're not really sure how to do that. And they mm-hmm. end up having a lot of that sort of junky vegan yeah. stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of wanted to, there's, there are quite a few recipes in the book that are plant-based. Um, and with the ice creams in particular, you know, the reality is that pe- there are people that do have allergies to things like milk. Um, so, you know, it's not to be 
okay, this is a vegan res- vegan mm. ice cream recipe. It's just, this is a really nice ice cream recipe that everyone can yeah, enjoy. Which is amazing because well, yeah. like I have issues with dairy and I don't really eat any. So yeah. like when I find a recipe that kind of caters to me like I love that you know and it really does make it accessible to people who have any sort of like restrictions whether it be like an allergy or they're vegan like whatever it may well be so that's really amazing that you're doing that well I I do believe that food is there to be enjoyed Mm -hmm. um you know we I think we probably need to get a bit more respect towards our food and that comes back to a sort of more mindful part of how to eat it yeah but I do think that there's nothing more joyful than than eating together mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately there is you know there are people that can't necessarily you know have the ice cream or have the, so for me it's like I just think that if you create a recipe that everybody can enjoy then we're all sitting collectively and yeah. and and eating together and you know I think that's a big part of you know eating well and, yeah, and good nutrition you know um, so let's rewind a little. You have a very interesting career path. So you used to work at Carla Auto. What made you interested in nutrition? Like, I want to hear it all because this is just, it's such a cool journey. Yeah, so I did, I, I my, well, for best part of 13 years, I worked in fashion. Yeah, guys, um, by the way, I have to interrupt. She looks amazing. I'm like obsessed with her dress. You can tell she has like a fashion girl within her for oh, sure. You're going to make me blush now. <laughs> Um, yeah, once a fashion girl, always a fashion oh, girl, I think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so I did, so I studied psychology at university, at Sussex University, mm-hmm. and um, mostly because I just find the human brain and people just entirely fascinating mm-hmm. anyway. Um, had I mean, there was no inkling at that. I mean, actually, one of my best friends would laugh because he used to come to see me in the halls, and I'd, I was going through my vegetarian phase because I you know, it went to Sussex and everybody literally was um, vegetarian at that point. But it was when, you know, yeah, student budget and I had those sort of packet bean feast things that just, te- yeah, they were not nice. <laughs> I mean, they didn't taste nice. They were pretty, yeah. Anyway. Packet beans doesn't sound too great. I, no, I, it wasn't the best. Um, but so he laughs now when he sees the colour and Rika. He's like, what the hell happened there? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I so I left university uh, with my psychology degree. Had always loved fashion. My mum's, uh, my grandmother um, was a dressmaker, and my mother she was used to make a lot of clothes when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of and you know I just loved fashion anyway. Um, so I ended up working for Gucci um, in no retail, casual. <laughs> yeah, it was that was all a bit random. Um, and then I. I remember the sort of the lady sort of head of Gucci at the time. She was absolutely, she was so fabulous. It was when Tom Ford was designing there. Oh, Susie Rogers. That's Gucci. And she just used to glide in. She was the most chic woman I'd ever seen in my life. This amazing bob. And she said to me, you know, darling, you'd be amazing at PR. And I was like, what's PR? And uh, and then she told me, I was sounds amazing. Um, So I then sort of went on a couple of sort of internships. I worked at Marie Claire for a bit, um, met the wonderful Liz Walker, a bit of a legend in fashion. Mm -hmm. And she got me a job at Alberta Ferretti, which is an Italian designer. Yeah, yeah. So I worked there for about five years, something like that. Um, Then moved to Stella McCartney, worked for Stella McCartney for a bit. Um, Dolce & Gabbana. Um, wow yeah uh which was incredible and and then my last position in fashion was as vice president at Carlo Rotto which is a big fashion PR global fashion PR agency yeah, and Carlo I had huge yeah um you know 
10 clients that I was sort of overseeing, mm-hmm. luxury fashion and um, leatherwear goods and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, fashion is incredibly exciting, fast-paced, wonderful, bonkers, insane yeah. Um, yeah. industry um, in many good and bad regards. Um, I think, you know, with all of the traveling that I was going through... Um, Probably poor diet, definitely not enough sleep and mm-hmm. too much of the bubbles yeah. on occasions. <laughs> um, and, you know, eat, not necessarily eating that well, skipping a lot of meals because you just couldn't, you didn't have time to eat. And I just basically burnt out. And um, it start, It was quite a, it was quite a accumulative thing. It's not like overnight. Um, and I think I ignored symptoms for years. I start, I'm sure when I re- look back now, I started getting IBS in inverted commas type symptoms into my even my early 20s like quite soon after uni when I first started in my career mm-hmm. and then you know as things as you build up your sort of you know or move up the, the career ladder you know things pressures get more intense and so you know you take less care of yourself and that type of thing and you know I got to the point where I was taking um I was getting recurrent kidney infections I was taking oh, wow. antibiotics prophylactically so I was taking them every day to prevent another infection oh my gosh yeah so you know obviously my gut was not happy at that point because for those who don't know, you know, antibiotics, whilst they're life-saving, and I'm definitely not a woo-woo therapist at all, um, they shouldn't be used like not smarties. Not so casually, yeah, definitely. But we're talking quite, a, you know, quite a while ago now, and um, it was really the only other option. And you know, I was in—if I wasn't on them, I was in constant pain, and mm-hmm. my immune system was basically on the floor. So I started, you know, in that sort of phase of my life knowing that this was I'd got to the ed- end of the road where uh say you know I could go with the medical route I started researching myself about um you know more alternative treatments and don't get me wrong I went to see some proper wacky people <laughs> like and this is where I think Super alternative med- therapies get a bit of a bad rap because yeah. of course you know there are going to be some people out there like there are going to be doctors that are not particularly you know compassionate or sympathetic right Mm. so I think in every profession you're going to get that um but anyway I did eventually find um a naturopathic doctor which is somebody that you know naturopathy is all about treating the root cause rather than the symptoms Mm. and that every individual is about treating the individual and not the disease and he was uh he was a doctor as well but he practiced from that sort of more naturopathic so using more of a say natural agents herbs supplements that type of thing so we ran some tests um some functional tests um which is what i do part part of my practice Mm -hmm. um and as it transpired you know i was you know my adrenals which is stress basically glands that manage stress hormones they were kind of almost flatlining because i've been in so much i've been in chronic stress from both a physical and an external perspective that my immune system was you know shaky to say the least i had a lot of overgrowth in my gut which isn't um you know unusual given the fact that i've been on antibiotics for such a long time um so i probably wasn't even absorbing all my nutrients properly on top of all of that so anyway he and i worked together and um you know through diet and supplements and some herbs and that type of thing um managed to get me onto the road to recovery Mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't straightforward um you know there were there were moments where I had sort of relapses and then we'd get back on track and that type of thing. But little by little, I started to get my strength back in my system. And just, I think that whole experience just made me feel 
quite empowered, if I'm really honest, mm-hmm. that I was gaining back some control over my own health, that I was able to support myself in a way that I didn't think was ever possible. Because um, to be honest, there were points before that that I'd felt quite desperate mm-hmm. um, and that I was reliant on certain drugs to keep me from keep me functioning in a way well I mean if you're like if your body is dependent on antibiotics and you're in pain like I don't even blame you yeah of course yeah exactly and you know what and I do like I said I'm I you know I think great minds work very hard for the medications Mm -hmm. that we've got and they are amazing and life-saving um but they're not always necessary certainly not in my case anyway um so you know but again it's going through it with somebody that can support you properly I'd never advise anybody to come off any medication without support of somebody else and that type of thing so I think that's really important to say that um but you know through that whole process I did you know find it so like I said so empowering that I wanted to help other people in the same way that I had Mm -hmm. been helped and so I started um and it was quite serendipitous actually how I actually ended up studying uh, naturopathic nutrition it was a random day I was stood at a bus stop in High Street Kensington in London and I suddenly just had this almost like epiphany of like I just really want to study nutrition after having done this um, and so I just googled nutrition courses in London and something popped up and it just happened to be the open day of the College of Naturopathic Medicine which is wow. where I studied so I went along um I found the whole thing really just it just resonated immediately Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was something I really wanted to do Mm -hmm. and after leaving there I got a call I remember this distinctly from my mother about 20 minutes after leaving and she just said you know um got a bit of inheritance for you from a relative that was actually not that close to me but it was the exact amount for the course and what? So That's insane. It was so weird. It was so weird. And so I thought, actually, this is a sign. I remember coming home, saying to my boyfriend at the time, I'm going to go and spend this money on a new... And he's like, are you mad? Um, but anyway, I started the course. It was three years. I was doing yeah. it alongside my job at Carla Rotto, which was... Wow. Grueling, to say the least. You're a hustler. Oh, my God. <laughs> I definitely would not recommend that. If you can do it without having to work full time, mm-hmm. I would definitely. But you know, the reality is not always, you know, possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so I completed that, and then sort of, you know, once I'd sort of gone through the course, and you do a bit of time where you're working one on one with clients, I just didn't really have the same passion that I once did for for fashion. So I decided to leave fashion and mm-hmm. start my nutrition business, and that was six years ago now um so you know the clinic just continues to grow my practice Mm -hmm. continues to grow and obviously I have the other commitments alongside which I think both feed each other in a way yeah um you know it's always good to do the events because you get to speak to people more generally about what they're concerned with which helps me then write articles that are more relevant and you know when you're sitting one-on-one with 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 clients um, talking about their symptoms, you can also bring those examples into your workshops and into your writing. And I think that's really important for me to to have that balance. Um, So yeah. Wow, what a journey. Yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. Yeah, I mean, but incredible. I can't believe that the whole thing happened with the inheritance, like it was totally meant to be. I, it's weird isn't it I, I don't know again not to be like, like sound so sort of like oh you know but I do believe that we do get these signs absolutely really and it's just about acting on them I mean obviously I was incredibly lucky to be yeah 
but yeah it was very it was weirdly serendipitous yeah oh my gosh totally um so I wanted to touch a little bit on supplements because you did speak about um like just supplements and how certain herbs and um, maybe vitamins, minerals, micronutrients, that's what you said, right? Like Mm. they could help someone. So say someone's a beginner, like are there any like specific just like vitamins, like beginner vitamins, minerals um, that you would recommend that everyone should be taking? Okay, so I often get clients coming into me or Mm. people in workshops and such like asking me about random supplements and, um, you know, you can spend a lot of money on this stuff, like Mm -hmm. a lot, a half of which is either not doing anything Mm -hmm. or it might be shifting your body in a negative direction as well. Because when you supplement with something, it can affect other balances of, say, minerals in the body. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to be careful about what you're doing where that's concerned. Mm so for a start, I wouldn't say the worst thing you can do is go into like one of these stores and I'm not hating on them, but and just listing off a load of symptoms and then giving you a lot of supplements because they also in five minute conversation are not going to know enough about what's going on with you to know whether or not you're I mean, you may not even absorb them. So if mm-hmm. you've got, say, you know, some level of, say, you know, gut issues or whatever, then you might not even be absorbing half of the stuff you're taking anyway. Um, and then there's certain timings or, you know, taking supplements with certain, like iron, you know, you need vitamin C to help absorb it. And so a lot of people... I didn't even know that. Yeah. So generally speaking, there are a couple of things that if I was, if somebody was just say, what should most people be yes, taking? Yes, exactly. Okay, so I believe that a probiotic, a decent probiotic for most of us is a good idea yeah. only because we are constantly bombarded with various things um you know from foods to to external stresses that can actually impact on the microbiome that it just makes sense that we supplement with that because also a lot of people are not necessarily eating enough say fermented foods or mm-hmm. you know foods that contain beneficial bacteria so i would say that good probiotic but then you know do your research on that um and you want something that's got multiple strains in it mm-hmm. so um not just one strain of bacteria um definitely look at their clinical evidence make mm-hmm. sure that they've done some research and studies that are independent um so i'm gonna get specific do you have a favorite brand i i do work with yeah. with simprove which is a liquid probiotic um they they actually run their studies out of king's college in london um wow. with um and there's a guy head of um, pharmacology there um who simon gaysford who's very much involved in that process and so it you know it, there's a lot of um studies to back up what you know the efficacy of their probiotic mm-hmm. um uh, you know there are lots like i said there's lots in the market so i'm not saying and i also think that you know it's not a one-size-fits-all with probiotics unfortunately we're in it it's, it's very sort of it's a very new time for probiotics mm-hmm. on many regards um because you know in an ideal scenario because everybody's microbiome which is the trillions of microorganisms in the gut mm-hmm. is different mm-hmm. so the strains that you might need, I don't necessarily need. I might need different ones. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be that long or that far away where you can get prescriptive with your probiotics, where mm. you'd have your biome mapped and then somebody would give it. I mean, that would be the ideal scenario. Um, right now, it's that's not possible. So it's a bit of a, like, trial and error with probiotics. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do really well on, on one probiotic. Some people don't notice any difference. Some people actually can have a different, you know, have a reaction to it. So, um, you know... It's, it's, it's a hard one, but the thing about Simprove is that 
the research suggests that it's not so much about putting in loads of bacteria into your gut because we're still not sure about whether or not some of these probiotics will actually colonize so the, the strains of bacteria in the pro probiotic will actually stay in the gut mm -hmm. then there's, there's still a lot of gray area where that's concerned yeah. but what simprove does is it actually helps shift your own ecosystem mm -hmm. into a ph level which is the environment the, the ph level environment to one that's more conducive for beneficial bacteria to thrive and survive and less conducive for more of the pathogenic organisms and for me right now that's much it's almost more interesting than just putting in loads of bacteria that you don't know whether or not they're going to stick around, right? Because right. you're actually working with your own ecosystem. So that's the reason why I tend to go for Simpro. So it's a really long answer to that question, yeah. but it is a really complicated area. Um, so probiotic would be good. Uh, Omega-3, I'd usually suggest for most people, mm -hmm. just because again... Milligrams, do you, do you have like, is it case by case or... Do you have like a general recommendation like for how many milligrams someone should be taking? Again, I mean, case by case when you're wanting sort of therapeutic dosages, mm -hmm. but just one that's got, you know, sufficient amounts of the EPA and DHA in it. Yeah. Um, you know, something around, around a thousand milligrams mark for those mm -hmm. um, is probably a good amount. Yeah. You know, again, get the ones that, you know, have been extracted well. Mm -hmm. They'll normally sort of proudly say that on their packets because mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure that it's, the fish oil that you're taking is clean it doesn't have any additives in it and that type of thing right um so yeah probably those two i would say for for most people and again you know with other minerals and other supplements it's I, i'm really honestly i think invest in seeing somebody that can help you mm -hmm. navigate that because again you might be spending money that you you know it's a waste of money or you know potentially shifting your body into uh, you know the other one that I guess is particularly for people in the mm -hmm. UK mm -hmm. within the sort of winter months, although we're having a, a nice extension of the summer now, yeah. um, but say from October through to April would be vitamin D. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Even so, for yeah. us in Canada, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's gloomy. I tell you it's <laughs> snowy and cold and yeah, vitamin D is absolutely a necessity. Um, so I was wondering, do you have any tips for someone who's looking to stay healthy while dining out? I okay so that's another question I get asked all the time I yeah. mean I just think if you're going out for a meal the worst thing you can do is be scrutinizing and stressing over a menu mm -hmm. you're actually there to enjoy it and mm -hmm. the hormones that you produce when you stress are more likely to if it's definitely because a lot of people are thinking about that from say a weight management perspective mm -hmm. you know it might be actually more more kind of um relevant than the food that they're eating anyway so mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I think you should just eat what you sort of fancy as it mm. were. Um, I'm always a big advocate of just adding a side of greens if you like them. Yeah, it's a great tip. it's just another way of just getting a bit more plant-based foods into your diet. And who doesn't like spinach with a load of butter on it? Yeah. Not many people. So, you know, stuff like that, I think just, if you want the burger and chips, fine, just get a side of greens with it. Um, mm and enjoy it you know so if someone is going to be having an indulgent night is there anything that you'd recommend to like preemptively kind of deal with that or something they can take after for like food coma relief like is there are there any tips you have in that area um I don't know I mean I think that if you if you're having a food coma, it's probably because you've just you've just eaten a bit too much. Yeah. So maybe slowing down your eating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, 
typically when we're dining with others we do tend to eat slower because we're chatting and we're in conversation and stuff like that but yeah you know taking time over your meal is probably a good thing because then you genuinely know when you're full perhaps that's going to help alleviate that mm-hmm. um you know the next day maybe eat a bit lighter if you feel like you've possibly eaten a bit more than you would have normally the day before mm-hmm. you know and just balance it out that way perfect okay um, so I think that covers everything. So to finish, I wanted you to let the audience know where they can find you. So social media handles, your website. Um, yeah, like all that kind of good stuff. Okay, cool. So um, really easy because there's not many Eve Kalinics in the world. Yeah. Um, so my website is um, myname.com. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Eve Kalinic. Um, them all like. <laughs> so yeah that's pretty much it uh facebook i think slightly different it's eve kalinic nutritional consultancy yeah which is i'll put it in the show notes yeah um but yeah and uh, you know there's I, i'm often sort of doing workshops and things and obviously at the moment sort of predominantly london based mm-hmm. um although i am doing actually a festival in ibiza at the end of october called amavore which wow. is food and arts um it's actually more of a foodie festival because I know we've talked a lot about nutrition and supplements and it sounds like I don't really enjoy food, but I tell you, I am, I love food. Well, I mean, um, you wrote a cookbook so, after all, I would think yeah, so, you know. But you know, I, you'd, be, it'd be, you'd be surprised. A lot of people that work in nutrition from a sort of, you know, from that perspective and not necessarily, they don't seem to, or seemingly they're not that big a foodie, but I yeah. do, I do really love food. So I'm really excited to be at that festival because there's been a lot of chefs cooking Ooh. and I'm, I'm almost, I'm actually obsessed with watching food programs, yeah. you know, like chef's table and that oh, type of they're thing. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's great. So, but I put all of the sort of upcoming events mm-hmm. on my website so right. people can exactly read more ask. about that. And I've, yeah, I've got another Guardian Masterclass coming in uh, November, which is okay. all about the gut's brain connection. Sounds like a really good one. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, Yeah. and um, book is on Amazon and bookstores around London. Amazon's probably the easiest way to get it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Eve. Thank you for having me.